0: taken a moment to think back on those times in your life um, when it seemed darkest, when it's, you probably questioned whether God was there with you or not. And if you still have the belief in the lie that He wasn't there with you, because He was. I know sometimes it's hard to see, but He was. Let's even just take a moment right now just to ask Him to show you where He was in that time. Because this is His love. Chases us. Leaves the 99. Pursues us to the ends of the earth. If I make my bed in hell, there you'll be. He's still there. So just take a moment and think about that. And if you don't know where He was, ask Him. Need Jesus to break through today. You need to see a breakthrough today in your life. If there's anybody, just, just raise a hand. Anybody else? Okay. okay. Can I just get a couple people to go and surround Lincoln? We're gonna just declare this this next this next part over over Lincoln. college student there is there anybody else needs a breakthrough needs a breakthrough today Okay. so church we're going to declare this we're going to sing it we're going to sing it over and we're going to sing it over every other situation in this community we declare the love of God nothing that can hold him back neither heights nor depths nor all that other stuff can separate us from the love of Christ from the love of God which is in Christ actually
1: I believe was Jesus running, like robes just a flailing, you know, and it reminded me of that story of the prodigal son, and the prodigal son, you know, he did a lot of nasty stuff, right,
2: and
1: he was on his way back, but, you know, head hanging down, thought the father wouldn't want him, but to his surprise, the father was looking for him. He saw his son far off. He just came running for him. And that's what I saw, that he was just running. So I'm just declaring that, that there's nothing, there's nothing that we could do that could keep us from the father because his eye is on us. He's watching us and he's waiting and he's running. If we'll just make that step.
0: the over Spirit, we just invite you and release you to minister here this morning. Just to minister the love of God. There be a demonstration of your love here this morning. 5-5 Five fives because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit.
3: has been compelling me to say this all through the service, but we were in the mountains last week, and uh, we were driving home on Friday, and suddenly uh, we had a flat tire. It didn't blow, but we just suddenly had a flat tire, and it was in the most convenient spot that anybody would want flat tire in the mountains. It was very convenient, thank you, Lord. So my husband got out as a good man, and he changed the tire. And he pulled out the spare, and he put the spare on. And there was no air in the spare. And so we sat there for two and a half hours. And I said, Lord, what are you going to teach me with all of this? Like, this doesn't seem your will or your way. But I was reminded about a speaker that I heard many years ago. His name was Terry Law, and it was out at Moose Lake Camp. And um, the title of his message was, Is There Air in Your Spare? And I, I was kind of running this message over in my mind, even though it was 20 years ago. And I thought, no air in the spare. And then I thought about my life. If I would have had air in my spare, I wouldn't even be here. Because In 1994, or thereabouts, there was an incident in my life where I became totally hopeless. (laughs) I laid on the bed, and I thought, I guess suicide would be good because there's no hope here. So as I laid on that bed, I suddenly, I was a Christian at that time. I'd been going to church regularly, getting air in my spare. At church, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him when there's issues in your life the strong spirit of a man will sustain you when there's issues in your life so I call that getting air in my spare when I would go to church regularly as I could and get filled up with what the Lord had for me so as I lay on the bed there I honestly felt the wings of on both sides of me, and he was holding me there. And that's all I felt. And I thought, I don't know what to do, Lord, but I know you're going to see me through. And he did. (laughs) And then when I got cancer, again, I needed air in my spare. I needed to know that I was going to make it because God was there. God was holding me up again in His everlasting arms. So I just want to tell you we come here to church regularly every Sunday to get air in our inner spare. We come two devotional times in the morning to meet with the Lord to get air in our spare so I want you to remember this because the Lord made me tell you this and I didn't want to we're here to get air in our spare so if the times get rough the strong spirit of a man will sustain him and that's a verse some, somewhere So I just want to bless you this morning because the Lord wants you to know you're getting air in your spare and if you ever have a flat tire in the mountains and there's no air in your spare then God is going to see you through God's going to send a good Samaritan to you and he's going to see you through and you're not going to go over the edge of a mountain because God is going to see you through and that's about all I have to say
4: Good word, amen. It's a good word. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good, good Father this morning. And Lord, we just we just praise you today. We thank you for that testimony. We thank you, Lord, that you moved upon Carol today, to sh- so that she could share. And Lord, we just pray today that uh, as that word is gone, that, uh, Lord, that you would just that you would just strengthen us today you strengthen every heart here and help us to understand that there is something about coming together and worshiping the Lord and there's something about coming together and spending time in the word and spending time in prayer together so Father we just thank you that uh, yeah, some of us here today we need air in our spare and so Lord I just pray this morning that uh, that you will just minister to every heart that's uh, that may be heavy this morning, whatever need is present that God that you would undertake, and uh, we just commit the rest of this time into Your hands. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Praise God. I was kind of just changing uh, gears a little bit. Just want to welcome everyone this morning to to Maple Street, and, uh, and before we uh, go any further, I'm going to ask Penny to come. Uh, she has a few announcements that she wants to share. Trust everyone who got a bulletin. Trust everyone that got a that came in got a, a hearty handshake and a welcome.
1: I'm going to try and make this quick, but there's so much here. Um, plan to protect. Um, <clears throat> We're kind of starting from the ground up, so. If you are in ministry or think you will be in ministry in the upcoming, say, six months to a year, I'm encouraging you to come out to our orientation training. Some of you have have contacted me and let me know that October 22nd is not a good day, and that's fine. We're going to reschedule another orientation training day. And just to um, clarify some things, when we start with a plan to protect folder, okay, and I need to back up. to Protect is a program that we have instituted in the church to maintain um, safety for our volunteers and for everyone that comes through the doors. And we came across a really cool saying with our training on Thursday night, and it's not about us not trusting, how is it, Ed? <laughs> trusting you. It's about our community trusting us and you know churches and hockey and soccer have been in the the news so much and wouldn't it be wonderful for young families to come through the door and see that we are doing our best to uh, provide a place of safety for everyone involved so part of being a volunteer here at maple street worship center is um, going through a screening process and one it's a a seven-step process And one of those things is training, and so we get together and we talk about um, instituting safety procedures that happen within the realms of the building here and our off-site trips. So in a nutshell, that's what it is. So I'm going to send around a sign-up sheet for the training that is happening on October 22nd, and lunch will be provided for this, okay? and we had a really really good time with our refresher training and part of being a volunteer once we you've been screened and trained we do a refresher training and then once a year we have a one um, hour (laughs) training session (laughs) but we had we had a really good time Thursday night we had a one hour training session just because um, there's always something new coming down the pipes when I first started ten years ago the manual was about this thick and it is now this thick. So anyway, we have to condense that information to give to you guys. The next thing I want to talk about is family first aid. Um, John Robinson, who is a retired EMT, would love to come and for free and um, teach us first aid. And there's four four-hour sessions, and within the realms of your bulletin, I think it's October 28th, November 4th, November 18th and November 25th. Can I have a show of hands, even if there's interest in this, for this time frame? Okay. Okay, so I'm going to send around the family first aid one. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I would just like to see who's interested so that we can let John know how many people will be there. And that's back to you, Pastor.
4: Yeah, and so yeah, the, the first aid is free. It's a great chance to get together, and the cool thing is, is that it sort of provides a bit of a, a segue into uh, plan and protect as well. There's a bit of an interrelation there, because um, there there may be times when in ministry to kids or whatever the case might be, how many know accidents happen? Would you agree? Accidents happen. It's a good idea to know where the first aid kit is. It's a good idea to know how you, we should proceed if in case we need to, you know, splint someone's arm or or provide bandages or something like that, to know what would happen if, if, uh, uh, if there's a presence of blood and that sort of thing. Not to get too, uh, you know, not to get too, um, uh, what would you call it, gross? No, just joking. Uh, so yeah, so it's free, it's uh, over four Saturdays and... Um, everyone uh i think the limit is about 24 so uh do sign up just so we can prepare praise the lord i think that's all the announcements that we need to oh and of course remember yes samaritan's purse i believe it's in your in your bulletin samaritan's purse a packing party wednesday uh november the 8th at 6 p.m and of course uh we're looking probably maybe for 40 or so boxes It'd be great to 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 get a good number and uh, of course in your insert there are the items uh, the suggested items are are listed so please take uh, a note of that also of course um, as well as an insert healing and deliverance rooms on Thursday October 19th at the Rock 7 o'clock and I believe that's basically all the announcements we're going to bring at this time please take some time and uh, review your bulletin and uh, all the announcements as pertinent to what's happening at this point is uh, is all there. And of course uh, just to, to let everyone know as well, uh calls Maple Street home that we are, we are working on uh, in behind the scenes uh, as a pastor's council uh, just reviewing some of our uh, membership and uh, how that's going to go. So uh, just be in prayer about that and be in prayer about um, the coming The coming months Uh, we want to see some things get rolling and of course that's part of the reason why we are doing the plan of our tech training to get everybody uh, all their files straightened away and so we can we can have a good pool of of volunteers because how many know that uh, that nothing really gets going until you know we basically we, we pull together on these things so the Lord bless you in that and just uh, be in prayer about those matters. We're going to turn now to uh, to uh, ask our ushers to come as we receive our our morning tithe and offering as we worship the Lord in our giving. We've been singing this morning about the goodness of God. We've been singing about how He loves us and we have an opportunity in this way to give back to the Lord the portion He's blessed us with. And I'm uh, just going to ask... Uh, Frank Frank, would you lead us this morning in, in as we as we pray?
2: An honor. As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, store houses unlocked, and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings and calls. Positions and promotions, provisions and resources, to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Lord. You will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me, so I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah.
4: If you have your Bible with you, or if you have it on a phone app, because I know that that's another way that people use using technology. Matthew chapter 9 this morning. We're sort of into harvest time. And... Uh, I happen to notice that our garden has been pretty much been harvested. Carrots and squash and zucchini and all that sort of stuff has come into the place. We have a big pot of carrot soup now in the containers, in the refrigerator, so there's no shortage of carrot soup. And of course the neighbors, I happen to notice across the alleyway that the neighbors also, they're... uh, their gardens which look so lush and beautiful uh, looks like they've got everything in as well and so you know we're in that season of of harvest time and how many know it takes some work Uh, not only when you till the ground not only when you plant not only when you're keeping the weeds and the bugs and all these things away but how many know there's work when you bring it in And you put it away and you store it and you do whatever. There's work involved. And so this morning, uh, the harvest is plentiful. Would you agree with that this morning? The harvest is plentiful in our world. And I want us to turn just to read those few verses this morning. Matthew 9, verse 35 to 39. and It says this. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages. Just to let you know, Jesus wasn't an urbanite. He was in the towns and he was in the villages. So we can sort of relate to that. And so Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom healing, every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. And ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore to send out workers, into his harvest field and so father this morning we just come humbly to this text today and we pray and we ask the holy spirit that you would that you would make this very real to us that the harvest is indeed plentiful and you said lord that the workers were few The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And so, Father, we pray, Lord, that we would would, this morning begin to recapture, you would remind us, Lord, of your heart as we have been singing about today, how deep the Father's love for us, that you're a good, good Father, that we sang about the reckless love of God. And so we ask this morning, Lord, one more time that you would, you would speak to us you would you would just begin to capture our hearts and that father that we would get a glimpse of of your heart not only for us as we've been singing about today but your heart for the world your heart for Vegerville. your heart for monday your heart for all of the community. All the towns, the villages, the hamlets that are within our sphere of influence. And we just pray today that you would, you would just begin to stir something up within this church again, and just help us, Lord, to see the harvest is indeed plentiful. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. This morning, I I just want to. Uh, I remember I was going down to the prayer gathering uh, down in Sherwood Park. And uh, I had an opportunity to hear our new superintendent, uh, Gary Tatinger, to just, he was just basically giving his his heart and sharing what his vision was for the Alberta Northwest Territories District, of course, which we are a part of that. uh, We are an affiliated church of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Had an opportunity to hear his heart. And uh, one of the things that uh, he highlighted was that when it came to Canadians being involved in a local church, that uh, the stats of about 19, going back to about 1946, was that approximately 64% of Canadians were engaged regularly in a local church. 1946, 64%. Uh, Swinging that back to Alberta as a province, and I would say that this would likely reflect nationally here in Canada, is that right now, 2017, the latest stats that were reported was that 89% are not. 89%, leaving 11% versus 64% 64% a number of years ago. 11%. And I would say also 11% and declining. I had a chance to read the Pro- a promise magazine. as a publication toward men, you know, Promise Keepers magazine. And there was an article in that magazine and it was titled, The Rise and Fall of Christian Canada. And so the writer... Highlighted, It went back a little bit into the history of the r- religious landscape of Canada. And what was shocking to me was that at present, and this is the stats of the writer, the writer had indicated that there were less than one million conservative evangelical Christians in our nation right now. Less than something like 960-some thousand, I believe that it is out of out of 30 about 35 million Canadians I don't know you this morning but when I look at those statistics they really alarm me they really they really alarm me they are startling and I believe what Jesus said to his disciples at that time applies to us today that the harvest is plentiful the harvest is is plentiful but the workers are few the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few and I believe this morning that it's not God's will for the church just to be hanging on folks listen this is God's church this is Jesus is the head of this church Jesus said that he would build his church and the gates, the plans, the schemes, the strategy of the enemy who wants to thwart the purposes of God not only in your personal life, not only in your family's life, but he wants to thwart the purposes of God in our nation. And he will do everything that he can. And I believe this morning that he does not, that the Lord does not want the, the church just to be in a state where we're just surviving, where we're just hanging on. But I believe he wants us to move to a state of not just existence, but of persistence, to push through, and to see the kingdom of God advance, and to see the kingdom business advance. We don't want to be a church that's lukewarm or in decline. We don't want to be people who are unenthusiastic. But instead we want to be going from survival to revival. Amen? Not survival, but revival. And the church matters to God. And as I mentioned earlier, Matthew sixteen eighteen, I will build my church, the gates of hell or the gates of Haiti will not overcome it. Why is the church important, folks? The church is important because it is the bride of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are part of the church, and collectively, we are an expression of the church universal. We are a local church. We are the bride of Christ. We are His body, His bride. It matters to God because He purchased us by Christ's own blood. We were singing these songs this morning, how great the Father's love for us. Reflecting on his death and his resurrection. The church is important. Why? Because it is to be a reflection. It is, to be, it is to be a reflection, an earthly expression of a the heavenly reality. Can I just make this statement this morning that the church, this church, Maple Street Worship Center, is to be a reflection. It's to be a foretaste. It's to be... When people come and they experience fellowship and they experience the presence of God, that they get a sense that this is a little piece of heaven on earth. Would you agree with that this morning? The church is where we have our fellowship. The church is to be proclaiming the truth, the divine truth. This, this book that we have in our hands, it is a sure word of prophecy. It is God-breathed. It is God-inspired. It's the chief place for our spiritual development and growth. It's a launching pad for world evangelization and missions. The church is important. And I like to hear those little laughs because there's children here. This is great. And I believe this morning, if we're going to be successful, as I was talking to Sandy a little bit earlier this morning... That I believe that the, that the Lord is looking for us to be the workers in the harvest field. Would you agree with that this morning? You can say amen. It's okay. That we are, we are called. Jesus, if, if you remember, and I'm just going to highlight this really quickly. You remember in John chapter 4, and it's the Samaritan woman. The story of the Samaritan woman and meeting Jesus at the well. But you remember what happened? remember what happened at the very end as she went back to her hometown and the disciples were staring and they saw these people this crowds of people walking toward Jesus come and see a man who's told me everything about me what did he say to his disciples he said that the harvest is plentiful could you imagine seeing all these people coming wearing their robes and so on and it would probably look like you know wheat in the in the field But I want to suggest a few things this morning as we we move along here. A few things, probably four things. If we're going to see harvest time. The first thing we need to do, and I want us to look at the very first section of of that text this morning. Notice what it says and what Matthew says. Matthew said this, he said that Jesus went. Can everybody say went? Jesus went. He went through all the towns and villages teaching, preaching, healing. Jesus was doing some action here. But notice what he does. It says that he went. It says that he went. Can I make a suggestion this morning? Is that we need to put the go back into the gospel. Jesus went. Now, I'm not going to criticize too heavily the local church right now in some of the ways that we do some things. It's not wrong to invite someone to church, by the way. Is that okay? It's not wrong to do that. It's not wrong to do that. Most people don't, and it's not wrong to do that. It's not wrong to have different ministries, age-appropriate ministries, small groups, whatever you want to call it. There's nothing wrong with... With having a concert, there's nothing wrong with inviting... I remember when we were in Lockport, Nova Scotia, our hometown, our home church, Lockport, Nova uh, Pentecostal Church, I remember the third night they had a gospel sing every... every uh, I think it was the last Sunday of each month, and the third night that they had, they had 168 people out to their gospel concert. Just normal, everyday people were doing the music. I was one of them. I was in a quartet, believe it or not dad was in i played the mandolin and all this stuff and we sang we sang even sang hymns bluegrass songs wasn't bad you know out of that ministry we ended up with a new believers class that would meet in the pastor's office during sunday school hour and then they began to get involved it was awesome to see people who had been touched by the amazing grace of god begin to sing amazing grace that's not wrong it's not a bad thing to do But as much as Jesus may have said, "Come and see," there's something that He tells us in the Great Commission, and it is, "Go, Amen. Go, ye, into all the world." Matthew twenty, or excuse me, Matthew yeah, twenty eight nineteen. Jesus says to His disciples, His followers, "Go and make disciples. Go, go, and then what? Make disciples." imperative that's the command and can I just challenge this this morning and I know this might sound a little challenging but if we're not making disciples we are missing the boat if we're, miss- if we're not making disciples we're missing the boat and it means because notice this it means as we go along in this life as we go what, is, what did he do? He preached the good news of the kingdom. It means that he was healing diseases and sicknesses. And he said, as we go along in this life, we are to do these things. Jesus is our model. Would you agree with me this morning? That as we go, as you go along in life, that we are to make disciples. Mark 1, verse 17, Jesus said, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. It's interesting that he was speaking that to fishermen. Come, follow me, and I will make you not just fishers of fish, but fishers of men. I don't know about you, but I love the scallops and the haddock and all that wonderful stuff. But in the same chapter, verse 16, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon... And his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. That's what before he says, Come follow me. This is what he did. As he was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. As Jesus was just going along, all of a sudden now he's you know he's going about his father's business. He goes along and he spots these two guys, these two young guys, and what does he do? He calls them to follow him. You know what's interesting about this text? Sometimes we miss it because we just read it quickly. Moving from farmers to fishermen. These are are two fishermen. These are two fishermen whose livelihood is tied up with the local fishing industry. I can relate to that. My dad's livelihood, though he wasn't a fisherman, was tied to the local fishing industry. And these two fishermen... Here they are, Sea of Galilee. And I want you to know that at the time, the Sea of Galilee was flourishing with fish. So if you was a fisherman, you were in the right business. There's money to be made. There's there's quads to buy. There's there's houses to, to acquire. There's land to have. Because, man, it's good money. And so these guys are fishermen. That's their vocation. That's their occupation. That's their livelihood. And it's a good one. It's lucrative. It's a good business. And so there's lots of money. Not only is there lots of money and lots of material wealth coming from the fishing occupation. But this is not just these two two, uh, young guys here. But this is a family business. This is a family affair. And so here's Jesus. He's walking along the Sea of Galilee. And he spies these two, Simon and his brother Andrew. And here's what he says. He says, come follow me. And I will make you fishers, not of the fish in the Sea of Galilee. I'll make you fishers of men. Think about the implications of that this morning. Think about the implications of that. Jesus was calling Simon and Andrew to, come, to go and to leave the fishing business behind. To leave the boats, to leave the nets, to leave the home, to leave the Father, to look after all of that. Can I suggest this morning that when we decide that we're truly going to follow Jesus into what Jesus has for us to do, it's going to mean that we're going to have to throw our hook, line, and sinker into it. It means that he just doesn't want half of us. He doesn't want 75% of us. He doesn't even want what Ivory Soap promises, 99 and 44 100s. No. When Jesus calls us to follow him, you know what he says to us? He says, look, I got no place to lay my head. Foxes have holes in the birds of the air, have their nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay. He said, you want to follow me now? He's saying that there's a sacrifice to be made in this. To follow Jesus. Folks, can I just suggest this this morning? And I know you might be mad at me. But there's too many Christians that think that Jesus is just the cherry and the sprinkles on the top of their Sunday. Call life. No, 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 no. When we give our lives to Jesus, folks, did, did not Jesus pay it all? Did not the good, good Father send his only begotten Son into the world to die upon the cross instead of us being there? And he shed his blood. He gave it all so that we, as this one of the songs was saying, we could be sons and daughters of glory. So what is the response to us as well? It means that we take Jesus seriously when he calls. And he says, if we want to be a disciple of Jesus, it means that we got to go. we got to go. Look at verse 18. It says that at once, and this is in Mark 1, if you can get there fast enough, it says "At once they left their nets, and they followed him, no hesitation whatsoever whatsoever. They didn't think about it. They didn't hum and haw. They didn't stammer. They they, they didn't consult anyone. They just left their nets and they followed Jesus. Praise God, they did. Because they were instrumental, as we see in the book of Acts, in pushing forward the evangelization of the Gentiles, of which we are part of. You see, the Great Commission this morning That Jesus was modeling because this is what he told them to do. It's not the great suggestion. To go and make disciples. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's not reserved for the super saints. Or the missionaries. Like Hudson Taylor. And and, and the like. No. We are to go into the world. We are to preach the gospel. There was a one-legged Sunday school teacher one time from Scotland. He came to Hudson Taylor and he he said he was going to offer himself in service to China. He says, with only one leg, why do you think of going as a missionary? Taylor asked him. He says, I don't see those with two legs going. So he got accepted. Folks, we've been called to be an ambassador. We've been called as... Jesus said, He said to them, I'll come, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Second thing I want us to notice, not only do we need to put the go back in the gospel, but in verse 36, we need to possess the same motivation that Jesus did. Verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He had compassion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd I looked up compassion I want to find out what it was I don't know if I had or not compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for someone who is stricken by misfortune I don't know if you've ever done this before but I've been on the TV and I would be flicking through the channels and the next thing you know I come to a world vision commercial you ever do that You come to a World Vision commercial and you start watching it. And the next thing you know, you're feeling something. You're feeling something there. They're tugging you. You can sense the Lord's getting at your heart. You ever notice when the Lord gets at your heart? Then there comes a fork in the road. And I'm going to confess something this morning just to be authentic before you. And that is, more times than not, I have hit the next channel button up. It's one thing, it's one thing to feel empathy for someone, to feel sorry for them. It's another thing to have compassion for them. Compassion means you see the need and you feel so much empathy that you actually make a choice to do something about alleviating their, their suffering. You're actually going to do something. I don't know if you've notice this, but in this text this morning, Jesus is very active. There's a lot of words with I-N-G behind it. So he went and he was teaching, he was preaching, he was healing. Compassion. So compassion is a strong desire to alleviate suffering. So how do we know Jesus had compassion? Well, Matthew 3 we find that Jesus is teaching and preaching the good news. He's healing every disease and sickness that he encounters. There was those who were, had severe pain. There were those who were possessed by devils. And he was delivering them. Those who had seizures and they were paralyzed. In Matthew 5, chapters 5 through chapter 7, we find that he's teaching about the kingdom of God. How to live by the word of God. About loving your enemies. Giving to the needy. Matthew chapter 8, we find that he heals a man with leprosy. There's a guy who's paralyzed. Paralyzed servant of a Roman centurion. There's Peter's mother. He calms the storm. He's casting out demons. He's raising a dead girl to life. He's healing the mute and the blind. It sounds like Jesus has compassion. So why did he do all that and get nothing in return? It's because, as we mentioned before, it's the same reason why G- Jesus was sent into the world. By the Father. It's because... He's, a God. He's Jesus who loves us recklessly. He chases us down. We mentioned it this morning. It was mentioned. Carol mentioned it. I, or, or I think it was uh, Lori mentioned it about the, uh, about the prodigal son. He's the God who sees the son afar off. And what does he do? He hikes up his robe and he runs as fast as he can. Throws his arms around. Smothers with kisses. Puts the ring on the finger. Sandals on the feet. New robe. He's the God who runs to us. He's the God who chases us down. He's the God who will wake us up in the night. He's the God who will send his spirit. I remember one time it was uh, the, the district super, he was a former district super of the Saskatchewan district, and he was sharing us about his first, his first uh, church that he ever started. He said he applied to every district there was in the PAOC and nobody would have him. And so finally he got around and he decided he was going to plan a church in the upstairs of a curling rink. And he had his first service, and there was one person in attendance, and it was this big, burly, Norwegian lumberjack. And so he said that he preached the sermon, and he gave the altar call. And he said, the next thing you know, when the altar call was given, there was this big Norwegian, he said, just, just running just as fast as he can toward him. He said, oh, my goodness. He said, this is the end of me. I'm going to get plowed, I'm going to be killed. And he said, and that big Norwegian, boom, right down, both knees, hands up in the air, sobbing in repentance. and That was the first person after he planted his church, one, two now, <laughs> he led to the Lord. Why? Because it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter if you're big, little, small, whatever the case is. He's the God who will chase you down. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're a if you're a murderer, or you're a bully, or if you harass people, whatever the case is, if there's people that are hopeless, the bottom line is, the bottom line is that he is the God who consistently pursues us. Why? Because he loves us. He has compassion for us. And the question I have this morning is, is, is that is that the same? Is, does, the, does the compassion that Jesus has for the lost, do we have that same compassion? Do we have that compassion? Do we love people enough? Lost people. Eighty-nine percent of Albertans. Folks, to me, it tells me if they're, not, if they're not regularly engaged in church at all, it tells me, this is how it, this is how it speaks to me, and, and, and maybe, maybe uh, you may have a different opinion, but it tells me that either they're Christians who have given up on the church Maybe giving up on God because they're disappointed or whatever. But it also tells me that there's an awful lot of people who don't know Jesus. There's an lot, awful lot of youngsters, children, teenagers, young adults. They don't know Jesus outside of a swear word. What are we going to do about that? Harvest is plenty. Workers are few, Jesus said. Number three. We need to recognize the task at its hand. Verse thirty seven. Mentioned it before, harvest is plenty. Plentiful workers are few. In other words, there's lots of work to do. Work. Wow. There are not enough workers. What kind of work are we talking about? I'm glad you asked that. Look at the text again, the harvest. Word harvest comes from a Greek word. And it means to reap. The harvest means to gather. It means to collect. It means to bring in. It refers to the crop. It refers to the produce, the product, the yield. In this case, when Jesus is using it, he's using it as a metaphor. He's talking about people. He's talking about lost sheep. He's talking about those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who are unloved. Those who are marginalized. Those that are suffering. Those that are far from God. Harvest is a work. It's to bring in, it's to collect, it's to gather. And I don't know about you, but I'm kind of guessing, and I'm, I'm not a farmer by, by, by any stretch, but I'm sort of kind of guessing that the harvesting job is actually done outside the barn is my clothes am I on to something here this morning can you give me do I get a brilliancy point for that that the harvesting actually might be done outside the burn I remember folks listen so don't get me wrong please understand where I'm coming from but I remember being in a context where people would gather together and I think intercession is an extremely important thing to do We need to intercede in prayer. Because, folks, here's the the issue. The Bible says that those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. So there will be tears that you'll be shedding as you intercede on behalf of the people who are lost, lost in your family, lost in the community, those who are broken, lonely, hurting. But I remember being in a church context where that's what they were saying they were going to do. They were just going to meet on Tuesday night and they were going to pray and it was wonderful to see 30 or so people in the prayer room. There was young people in their teenage years. It was fantastic to see them praying in their seat. But folks, can I just make a suggestion this morning that I have never seen a good farmer or I have never seen a good fisherman just go down on the deck of their boat and never untie that thing from the wharf. Never set a trawl tub. Never put out their, you know, lay their lobster traps. I've never, I probably never heard that there's been too many farmers that went into their barn, sat on their bale of hay, and just prayed that God would bring it in. And how many Christians approach it that way? Well, we're just going to go into the barn and we're just going to sit or we're going to stand or we're going to hold hands or whatever it is and we're just going to pray, Lord, bring them in. Bring them in, Lord. Bring them in. And the Lord is saying, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest not for them to be brought in, but pray that the workers get sent amen because I don't know about you but Jesus when he was on planet earth seems like he in in his human body wearing sandals getting the same dust on his feet as the rest of them did but Jesus had to put two feet in a heartbeat together and he had to go to where the people were isn't it amazing that Jesus would go to where lost people were isn't it amazing that he, that he actually made an appointment with the woman at the well? That he didn't, he didn't get around, he didn't, he didn't go past Samaria or get around Samaria by going to pagan territory. But he decided, he made it a point that he would, it said that he needed to go through Samaria. Sometimes we miss that when we read the text. You know that most Jews, they, they wouldn't be caught near Samaria. No, so are, but Jesus made an intentional point of going there. And as a Jewish rabbi in midday at noon meeting with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, if you do your cultural background study, here's what you're going to find out. He broke all the rules. Why? Because he knew that if he could just reach one, one could bring a town. And what do you notice in the book of Acts? You notice that Philip goes to Samaria and he preaches the gospel to Samaria. Not the first time the gospel gets preached in Samaria, but Philip goes to Samaria and great joy comes to the city. Why? Because Jesus, as he was led by the Spirit of God and led by the compassion that was in his heart, goes to Samaria to meet the one who is in need. I feel like I'm preaching a little bit this morning, getting the finger going. I remember one time Brian Rutten, and I had a chance to meet Brian Rutten again at the prayer gathering in Sherwood Park, and Brian and Valerie was at uh, one of the churches we served in Nova Scotia. And I remember hearing Brian on a a Sunday morning, and I thought to myself, listen to this guy. I could listen to this guy until 3 in the afternoon as he shared story after story after story of the miracles that were happening on the field. Now, I don't know about you this morning. I I realize we get a little dribs and drabs. We get some some showers now and again of the Spirit. You know, we get some prophecy. We get some healing. We get a little dribs and drabs. But you know what? You know what Brian Rutten told us? Here's what he told us as he was standing behind that pulpit. He said, Look, he said, if you want to see miracles accomplished, he said, it's not going to happen. Here And what he was doing is he was pointing down at the front where everybody would gather at the altar. He said, if you want to see miracles happen, they're going to happen out there. Because on the mission field, that's where they're happening. They're happening out where the people are. And it tells me this morning that if we're going to reach the 89% and growing, that we need to heed what Jesus told his disciples 2,000 years ago the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord the harvest to send workers into his fields. Can I make a suggestion this morning that we need less critics and, worse, and, and less spectators and more players? We need people being involved. If the church If the church were like a football game. Actually, the church is sort of like a football game in many places because there's sort of that 80-20 rule, right? We need to get out of the stands, amen? We need to get into the field. We need to get into the game. Last thing I want to mention is this. We need to know who we are in Christ. I believe this is an important matter because many people are afraid step out and do anything for Jesus you might say well what do you mean Pastor Steve well look some people say well you know something there's not a whole lot I can do I don't have a whole lot of gifts or strength I'm not very qualified and, and we, we can end up making some excuses 1 Peter 2.9 listen to this one this, this is good Peter says this he says you are a chosen generation you're chosen you're a royal priesthood You're a holy nation, a peculiar people that you may may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Can I tell you this morning, church, that's who we are. We're chosen. We're royal. We are holy. We are peculiar. And we have a job to do because he's called us out. He wants to send us out. Amen? Because he's called us out, he wants to send us out. We're not like everybody. We've been called out of the darkness into his light. And because of that, we have a responsibility. And some people say, man, I don't really have what it takes. Can I tell you that Moses felt the same way when the Lord called him? He felt the same way. And anyway, when he did, he had all kinds of excuses. He had everyone in the book, who am I that I should go? Who am I that I should go? And you know what God told Moses? Is, I will be with you. That's all that really matters. What did Jesus say to his disciples when he commissioned them in Matthew 28? The very last thing he said, and lo, I will be with you even to the end of the age. Has the age ended yet? Is he with you? You and God make a majority. We sing a song... That if God be for us, who can be against us? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Moses said, what if they ask, who sent me? Tell him that I am that I am sent you. you know what I am that I am means? It means that I'm all sufficient. I am. I have nothing that I need. Wow, if you have everything, Lord, then I get all the supplies too, because you're with me. Amen. Sometimes we say we're gonna lack of resources. Oh no, you don't. Because when you got God on your side, when you got God following you, well, folks, listen. You got to get this part where you got the Holy Spirit of God that's living inside of you. Wherever you go, there, that's you're you're walking on holy ground, and you're anointed, and you've been commissioned, and you've been called. Well, what if they don't believe me? What did God say to Moses? He said, "I'm." He, he empowered them to do the to, to perform signs and wonders. There's a lot of people who don't believe that that's true anymore. That you, that there are signs and wonders, but my, my Bible tells me that uh, these things still happen. In fact, we've experienced these things. In fact, there's still some people that are still seeing these things happen because they're, they're operating in that consistently and regularly and God is honoring their faith and their action and God is working with them and great things are happening. And people are being healed and people are being set free and where there's no joy, God is putting in the laughter and, 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 and the peace. These things still happen. And so he's empowered us Moses said, I've never been eloquent. I'm slow of speech and tongue. But you know what God said? He said, I'm going to help you to speak and I'll teach you what to say. Folks, listen to me. When you get the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you can speak in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance, why would we think God couldn't give us the words to say in English? Remember Peter got up, scared half to death when the, when the, when the girl had asked if he'd been with Jesus, and Peter gets up on the day of Pentecost when Everybody's wondering that they're drunk or something like that. And Peter gets up and he begins to say, he begins to address them. And he begins to preach to them. And can I suggest this morning that Peter didn't go into his study and prepare his sermon and polish it up, rehearsing it. He just, he just began to open his mouth. And as he opened his mouth, the Spirit of God come upon him and filled him and gave him a prophetic message. And that prophetic message that he preached cut them to the heart. And they said, what shall we do? And he said, repent and believe, every one of you. And they repented that day, 3,000 people. Why? Because God was with him, empowered him, and gave him the words to say. That should get our motor going. And he was still fearful. Moses objects one last time. Oh, Lord, send somebody else. (laughs) Send somebody else. But how many know Moses went and he was a great prophet? I'm going to close with this little story here. Every Sunday, the ducks in a certain town waddled out of their houses down Main Street to their church. I'll say Maple Street. And they waddled into the sanctuary and they would squat in their their proper seats And the duck choir waddled in and they took their place and then the duck minister comes forward and he opened up the duck Bible and he read to them, Ducks, God has given you wings. With wings you can fly and with wings you can mount up and soar like eagles. No walls to confine you. Good pep talk, right? No fences can hold you. You have wings and God has given you wings and you can fly like birds. And all the ducks said, Amen. And they waddled home. as the worship team come back to the platform. And try not, that's right, try not to waddle when you come. I'm not going to tell you this morning that you got wings, but I'm going to say this. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. But here's the good news. And I'm going to end this with good news. And the good news is Just as Jesus went and he taught and he preached and he healed. And the reason he could do these things wasn't just because he was the son of God. But folks, listen. He went in to the synagogue in Luke 4. And he made a declaration as he read from Isaiah 61. And he said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. Can I make a suggestion this morning that the spirit of God that lives within you has anointed you. And therefore he is with you. He has given you the power that you need. The power to preach the good news, to tell people about Jesus. And you guys can play whenever you're ready. What did he say of Jesus? He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, to the recovery of sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who've been oppressed. Can I say this morning, the same Spirit of the Lord is upon us this morning. And it's not so that we can waddle home. It's to recognize the wings that we have. It's the wings that the Spirit of God has given us. Acts 1 verse 8. We're going to make this real Pentecostal this morning where he says you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. In other words, you're going to engage in the work. You're going to labor for the kingdom. Because that's what that power is there for. That power is not just there to make you feel good. It's not to make you swing from chandeliers. It's not to make us roll on the floor. And if that happens, that's fine. But listen, I am going to tell you, the power that God has given the church is there... For us to be his witnesses. He's anointed us to proclaim. Three times he mentions proclaim. That means we open up our mouths and we allow the Spirit of God to lead us. Because he'll tell us what somebody needs to hear. Like the time when David Forrest shared this story. It was cool. He, there was a guy who was teaching English as a second language. He was teaching to a number of, of physicians. Chinese physicians. Physicians. And as he was sharing with these physicians, he just felt that the Lord was leading him. He felt the Lord was leading him to, to uh, say to these, to these uh, physicians, where it talks about, Behold, I stand on the door and I knock. And If any man would open, that he would come in. And do you know that in, the, in their culture, that if somebody knocked on their door... They were obligated to open and invite them in. And every single physician that was there to learn English as a second language opened their heart's door to Jesus. Why? Because the guy who was teaching English as a second language just allowed the prompting of the Spirit to be at work. And he just followed what the Spirit had said. He's anointed us. He's given us the power this morning. Can we stand today? Harvest is plentiful. Workers are few. He's given us the power to be His witnesses. Power to be witness in word. Power to be witnesses in deed. Indeed. What kind of deeds? Powerful deeds. And sometimes a powerful deed is giving a cup of cold water to someone who's thirsty. Giving a warm, some warm mittens to those who are cold. But also the power to lay your hands on someone and 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 see them healed, to see them delivered. That's the power of the Spirit that resides. The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. He's given us power to be His witnesses in Jerusalem. That's here. In Samaria, that's a little further out. Judea. He's given us power. Everywhere, everywhere there are lost people. Can I suggest this this morning? This is our mission field. Anywhere there's lost people, doesn't matter if it's in if it's somewhere in the north, a community of 500 isolated, or if it's across the street to a neighbor that doesn't know Jesus. It's the mission field. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few, but can I suggest this morning that I see some workers here? I see some people who have hands and have feet and this morning can, can we get to the place where we say okay it's wonderful to come together to worship the Lord but it's time that we recognize and can I just say this this morning as well that you know things like going through plan to protect and so on they, these are just these are just things that get us through to where we where we want to go and at the end of the day can I just say this that really it's all about reaching people for Christ that's what it's about. It's about reaching people for Jesus. It's about doing His, His will. It's about doing things His way. And it's about seeing the kingdom of God go forward. Could somebody say amen to that? Hallelujah. Could we just take a few moments this morning as, before, we, before we dismiss this service? And we, could we just say, okay, God, here I am. Here I am. Can we just present ourselves to the Lord? Because the Lord is calling us this morning. He's saying like his first disciples, come, come follow me. Come follow me and I have a brand new job for you. Come follow me. It's time to, to go out and be reapers. It's time to gather it in. It's time to be, to be fishermen. It's time to let the line out and let the boat get out there and, and get, get moving. And I also suggest it takes teamwork. How many know you can bring in more when you're working together with two or three or four or five or six? Can I suggest that in the New Testament, fishing was a teamwork. They they took the net and they threw it out together and they brought the fish in together. It was teamwork. We need teams. Father, we come this morning humbly just thanking you for your great love and compassion toward us. Every single one of us are here today because of your love and your compassion, your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness. And, and Lord, we see that in your coming, in the incarnation, in the cross, that Jesus, that you clothed yourself, God, God clothed himself in human flesh, stepped down, put his feet in sandals, walked the same earth we did. And because of his love and his great compassion toward us, we, we now can know God as our Father. And yet, Lord, there's so many out there. They don't know God as their Father. They don't know the love that we sing about. They don't know the, the, the mercy that we, and the forgiveness that we so enjoy. And, and the knowledge that, that the, if our last breath here will be our first breath in the presence of God for eternity. There's those that don't know that. They don't know that. They don't have that hope, they don't have that assurance. They don't have that peace in their hearts and so father in the name of jesus today i pray that you, that as we pray that you will raise up workers in this place because you said pray to the lord of the harvest that he would send workers into the field and so lord we pray today for workers that on this side of the of, of the chairs, on where the chairs are in rows, that on this side, there will be workers that will be raised up. They'll say, yes, I'm going to put my hand to the plow. I'm going to put my hand to the gospel plow, and I'm not going to look back because there's no greater thing to do than to serve the Lord and to see people come and see the kingdom of God advance. And some folks over here, that they're going to put their hand to the plow. They're not going to look back. And so, Lord, as you stretched your hands across that, that Roman instrument of execution. Lord, we lift our hands today, realizing that we come empty-handed. Only what you have given us do we, do we have. And so, Lord, we come to you as people who recognize that you, you are living within us, uh, that you have anointed us, that you have commissioned and you have called. And now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray today, Holy Spirit, you'll speak to hearts, you'll move upon hearts. This is not a guilt trip. This is asking the Spirit of God to speak to us, and that He would move upon our hearts, and that on the inside we'll lift up those hands and we'll say, "Here I am, Lord, send me." Here I am, Lord, send me. Maybe there's some folks right now that are that are sensing the Spirit of God is speaking to you, and 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 you will want to respond and say, "Here I am, Lord, send me." I see the, the, the mission field. I see the harvest field. I see I see the. The sea that's teeming with quote-unquote fish. But you're calling me to be a fisher of people. Who in this place today, this this morning, you sense in the Spirit of God tugging on your heart and, and your response is this. Here I am, here I am, here I am, send me. Is anyone here this morning? Just lift your hand way up high. Here I am, send me. I see some hands going up, way up, straight up. Just stick it straight up. Yeah, I see the hands going straight up, straight up. This isn't, in, this isn't in response to, this isn't about worship in the Lord right now. This is about sticking your hand way up to saying, I'm, I, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm seeing hands going. Up. This is great. This is great. I'm seeing hands going. Up. I'm, I'm in. Maybe you're already in some of this now. Uh, maybe you're just sensing that the Lord is going to call you deeper in. You're going to go deeper. You're going to cast your net out into the deep. You're going to bring more in. Yeah, that's it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That as you move upon hearts, as you put ministries and callings, that's what we're asking for right now. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, we just pray and we ask and we declare that ministries, ministries that you orchestrate, ministries in which you put passion for in the hearts, will be birthed here in this church. And maybe they'll be unique. And they'll be unique because it's the Spirit that's leading, not just our conventional thinking. And so in right now, in the name of Jesus, we just call forth. We call forth the strengths. We call forth the giftings. We call forth the callings. And we call it forth. Just come out of the hiding. Come out of the closets. Come out of the places where... Because God, you put strength and you put, you've put put giftings and you put callings and you've put things in people's hearts right now and we just pray that it will come forth it will come forth it will come forth it will come forth and it will produce for the kingdom of God in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name we call forth we call forth the gifts of the spirit we call forth these things to be in operation and I don't know about you this morning, but I want whatever God has put, whatever God has put resident in this body to be operating at maximum capacity. Come on now. We want, we want everything operating at maximum capacity. We don't want six cylinders going. We want all eight firing up. Amen? We want the engine humming in this place. Come on now. Amen? And some of us need an oil change. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you have been going too many kilometers. but Some of you need an oil change. But the Spirit of God wants to anoint. The Spirit of God. Oh, I'm just feeling that one. That's good. So what we're going to do, you know what we're going to do, I felt it right now, just going to do this, that anybody who put their hand up, way up there, and you just responded with the, here I am, Lord, send me. I want to call everybody up. I didn't didn't pre-plan this. This just happened just in the moment. We're going to call everybody up, and you're going to come up. I'm going to encourage you to come, and I just want to anoint you with oil. I'm just going to anoint everybody with oil. Amen. So we're going to anoint with oil. And this is just this is symbolic, right? This is this is a symbol that we use in Scripture of the Holy Spirit. But he's so we're just going to anoint with oil. And this is pretty good because this this looks like a team developing here, Amen. So we we may have to snap a picture here, you know, just so that we can, you know, I'm just joking. I think what we're going to have to do now is we might need extra anointers here. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so. Yeah, okay, so.
5: spirit of truth, we just thank you. We just thank you for the anointing here this morning, this morning. I just thank you for what you've given us. I just declare boldness to step out in it and experience it. We don't need it. We don't need to to come for more. You've given us all we need in the Holy Spirit. I just declare that truth and the boldness to step out and experience it and experience the life and the freedom and the anointing and the power and the love and the speech that you have placed in each one of us when you gave us the Holy Spirit. I just thank you for that power. I just declare that anointing over each one and the boldness to experience it. I just declare joy. The joy in walking in the power of the spirit and knowing the, the power that has been placed within us it's just a confidence to walk in
4: that Sure. Yeah. The, the, I think all of them. I think he got them. Is there anybody that ha, is there anybody that hasn't been anointed? Everybody's been good. Everybody good. Okay. So if we could call, yeah, uh, Cheryl just felt led to call the young the young folks together, the young people, and and we just want to pray for them too. And uh, but don't don't dismiss just just yet. Don't dismiss just yet. We could gather around them. And then I would just want to read a scripture this morning before we go and I want us to own it I want us to own it Cheryl would you lead us in prayer over the young people
6: Lord I thank you for the youth that we have in our midst here I thank you for your anointing upon them I thank you for their calling and their place for such a time as this. And, Father, I call forth the power and the anointing that you have upon them. I call it forth, Father, that you stir up the gifts that are within them. And I release them in power and unction and boldness to their calling and to their walk. I take authority over any spirits of shame or embarrassment. You will not be present. Because, Father, your Holy Spirit is far more powerful than any spirit that the devil would put out there. And, Father, just rain down your Holy Spirit upon our youth, not only in this place, but in this community, to go forth wherever they are, to be led in the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. And that the harvest would come forth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
4: Could we just declare this together in, in Luke 4, when the Spirit after the Spirit had anointed Jesus at His baptism, after He went into the wilderness, and after He returned in, in the power of the Spirit. It says that news spread about Him through the whole country- countryside, and he was, he was teaching in their synagogues. Everyone praised Him. He went to Nazareth. And so He goes into the synagogue, and here's what He says. and unfolds the scroll. And folks, I truly believe that the, that the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, that was on Jesus that day and on his ministry that we read about was, was also on the disciples, as we see in, in, in the book of Acts. And so we I believe that we can own this. We can declare this. And we can I'm going to say, you can repeat it with me. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And with that declaration, Lord, we just thank you, God, that you are forming a spirit-led, spirit-empowered, anointed community here. We want to be, Lord, your hands and your feet extended. We want to be those who imitate Jesus. We want to be those who, through the power of the Spirit, replicate your ministry as the first disciples did. And I pray in Jesus' name and I declare that this place is going to, this, this team that is before us today as we walk, as we walk out and as we go and as we do by the Spirit of God, that we are going to see, we are going to see souls be one and be, be well, they're going to be pulled in. They're going to be pulled into the kingdom. They're going to be pulled into the church. They're going to be looted and we're going to plunder. Just as Jesus did, we're going to loot and we're going to plunder those who are in the clutches of the enemy and we're going to bring them from the darkness and we're going to bring them into the kingdom of God. And we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together. We're going to do it together because there's a power that's in the unity that we have here this morning. And so in Jesus' name, as we, as we come to the conclusion of this meeting, this gathering today, that, Father, that we'll not forget that you have anointed us. You've anointed us to go. You've anointed us to proclaim. You've anointed us to do your work here in this community and beyond. And you are with us to the very end of the age. So God as we've been anointed, as we've been prayed for, as, as we have declared this, may this come to fulfillment in this body of believers and through this body of believers. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Hmm.